you are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Well, it has been a, an exciting morning, a very <laughs> exciting morning, hasn't it? I want to tell you, when you come under adversity, when you go through hardship, the Bible tells us that when things are hardest, God is closest to you. When you are encountering, I know I'm going to keep preaching until you get this. If you are 11 years and younger, you are excused. Go to Kids Church. God bless you. I want to invite the rest of you guys, if you can come forward, come and join us in the front rows. Let's occupy these front rows. Just while you're doing that, if you can possibly, please come stand up. Make your way to the front. There's a lot of empty chairs in the front that the kids have vacated. We would love you just to fill and occupy those front rows for us. Can you help me out? Thank you so much, Robert, the first one. God bless you for that. I really appreciate it. So if you guys can come forward, just so we can be family here together. Uh, just very quickly before we began this morning, some of you are asking, Pastor, what's happening with our building? And uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update with us. So please keep moving forward if you can. I'll buy you some time. Just come and occupy the front rows for me. Come and sit together. So building update, just very quickly for those of you that are just tuning in on live stream and for those that are here right now. So... What's been happening is that uh, I've shared with you that we had a few challenges. We needed a second emergency exit. We have found the solution to that. I've got all the okays, the drawing is done. Praise the Lord for that. We had another problem that encountered, one that we did not expect, and this one was that we required a fire hydrant. We have to install a brand new fire hydrant for the shopping center. The cost is $20,000, could be $25,000, something around that figure, twenty dollars to $25,000 that we have to pay for. I want you to know there's been a, just a wonderful and generous donation by a pastor friend of ours. She came here to preach, Pastor Jeannie. Uh, she probably doesn't want me to tell you that. I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> just appreciate how good God is. He's bringing people from outside to help us to meet these financial obligations. So she's already given us altogether now an, another fifteen, so $30,000. Come on, give a hand to the Lord. That is a miracle. So we have covered that amount that we need to meet to be able to install a new fire hydrant. It's that or the certifier says you can, get, you can knock down all your toilets and that, sh that should we'll be able to make it work that way. I said, no, no, no. The toilets are worth $20,000 for us, so we'll pay the money. So we're now down to every drawing that we need to do is done. We've achieved every goal that we need to achieve by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. And so now what we're praying for is that the appointments that we have, so the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services and one other group need to come in and tick off some boxes. They look at all our drawings. They look at the physical site. And once they sign off, we start building. Now, unfortunately, I've been told it is about 20 days each. So we're looking at about 40 days for these things to be done, 40 days. So that's a little bit more of a wait than we expected, 40 days. So, you know, that's right, sis. We've, we've waited a year. We can wait another few days. But, 
you know, thank you so much for generously giving and you're sowing. Remember, you're sowing into the kingdom. It, you're never actually giving to a person. You're not giving to man. You're not even giving to Life City Church. I know we're the vehicle for the Lord, but you're actually giving to God. And I just want to commend you on your generous giving. You know that since we started this project, people have been, have been so moved that they've started giving. People who have not tithed before have started to tithe. And even if it's a little bit, they have been tithing to the Lord, not to us, to the Lord. And I pray, and we've been praying for you, that God will bless you and your household and your business and your savings, that God is going to just turn things around. You cannot outgive God. So I want to just thank you so much for that. So keep giving, keep praying that this process can be brought forward. The building certified told me, he says, I will do my best to try and bring that date forward for you guys so that you're not waiting as long as that. So keep praying for him. His name is Nick, that God will give him solutions, that for some reason another client drops out and all these other services can come and meet with us early. Well, before I get into the message, I wanted to invite someone who's been uh, new to our church. And it's quite an extraordinary story. I'm going to ask if you can come up, and I'll, I'll get GT to come up as well. GT and Brad. Brad's going to share testimony, but I just want you to know the guy that brought him to church. Brad and GT, can you come up here, guys? Come on, you can make some more noise, and that is Salai City Church. Come on, you're not in a cathedral. Just hang on a second. He's, he's eager to share. He wants to grab the mic from me. But I just let me let me give the lead up, the context behind it. So now, how did we meet? Like, what happened? This guy got involved. Tell us, what did you do, man? He brought me along here, and I enjoyed myself. And I look forward to it every week, hey. Like, 20 years ago, people would go home to church, and I was shunning myself at them, going, ah, what do you know? You're wasting a Sunday morning. You should be at the pub. And I go to church this I go to church every week. And they they say to me, Oh, you going soft and I just say to them, I can still beat the stuffing out of you. I haven't gone soft. I've just found the Lord. Simple as that. And I look forward to coming next week and the week after that. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so now, you just recently gave your life to the Lord. You gave, you gave your life to him about, is it, what, two or three months ago, something like that? Yeah. yeah, about two or three months ago. I just, he can, he, can, he can show me a way, you know, show me the path. Absolutely. It's just good. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, I want to encourage you, Brad. We're going to pray for you just for a second. But if you've recently recommitted your life to Jesus or you've made a first-time decision for Jesus, I want to encourage you to go on a discipleship journey because your beginning and ending of your Christian faith isn't a single prayer that you did when you say, come pray with me, but it's meant to be a, a working out of your salvation, the Bible says. We follow Jesus. We go on a discipleship journey. And we've uh, um, David Roke has put up his hand saying, I would love to lead new Christians and those who are coming back to the Lord, to lead them on a discipleship journey. So if that's you, and even at the end of the service, you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to go and track down David, okay? I want you to sign up and join his foundations class, and he's going to help you to grow in the Lord. He won't just leave you there. He'll keep on that journey until you become stronger and stronger in the Lord. Amen? Just reach out a hand real quick for Brad, guys. Lord, we just thank you for 
He said, thanks very much, congregation. Lord, that's awesome. Lord, we just thank you for this man of God. Lord, we thank you for his testimony that even now is being written. Day by day, it's being written. Despite every hardship, despite every challenge, this man says, no, I am going to church. God, I pray you bless him for that. I pray, Lord God, bless him with long life and good health. I pray, Lord God, for strength to return to his bones, for strength and resolve to return to his mind and body. In Jesus' name we bless you. All God's people said, amen. Come on, let's congratulate Brad. That's awesome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You very much. Hey, it's getting real warm soon. We're going to be doing the baptisms as well. All right, we'll look you up. All right. <laughs> God bless you. Go find your seat. Oh, man, I'm so excited. You can, you, you can sit down. No, he's, he wants to stay here and preach with me. Sit down. I got the microphone. I'm preaching today. <laughs> Six bucks a turn, he says. Oh, man. So I really do want to encourage you. Go on a discipleship journey. I'm getting around through each of the men slowly. If I haven't spoken to you yet and had a lunch or a coffee, I will be looking you up real soon, okay? And I just want to encourage you, don't just, don't just occupy a chair on a Sunday. That's, that's not following Jesus. That is not a discipleship journey, okay? You are, you are more than a, a service. S Sunday morning, this is a service. A lot of people think we go to church. No, no, you are the church. You're just coming to join the rest of the church. And the stories that happened throughout that week, see, Glenn, GT, he's just having conversations with Brad. You know, and then along the way, he says, you know, you should check out my church. Now, he has to agree to it because this is, you know, uh, GT looks after him. And so Brad says, yeah, I want to go check out your church. And he checked out a couple, I think. And he came here just one Sunday. He's hearing the message and the altar call comes up saying, do you want to give your life to Jesus? There Brad's, Brad's hand goes up. Can I encourage you? You can. Come on, give a hand to the Lord. Can I encourage you? Invite, invite, invite. Never put a price tag on the kingdom when someone comes to Jesus. It's worth every cost you can make. We're praying for you behind the scenes. You probably don't know that. We're praying for you on Tuesday. We're praying for you on Thursday. We're praying for you on Friday night. We're praying for you on Sunday morning. That when you invite your friends, they're going to turn and they're going to come. Just watch and see what God will do. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Katie. Just stay there while we read the scripture. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, or you can look up on the screen. I decided to do notes. I was just so far ahead of the game. I thought, I'm doing a PowerPoint today. I don't need no PowerPoint. I can preach, but, you know, it does help. So <laughs> I, I did it. So come and follow with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew and chapter 3. where We're going to read about a character that we don't talk an awful lot about. We mention him in passing. But I think there's so much we can learn from this man of God. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 10. So if you don't have your smart device with you, I want you to turn to the screen and follow with me. Because I want you to take some notes on your smart device. I want you to highlight, do some note taking, okay? Because there's so much we can gain from this man of God. Let's read together from verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. If you were saying that 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we today? The kingdom 
of heaven is near. Verse 3. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John, this guy, when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, listen to this, he ate locusts, and he ate wild honey. Yummer. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, not if, when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Whoa. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and ask that you would give us a clarity, a clarity of mind, a clarity of spirit that we would understand and embrace the seed of the kingdom that you would like to plant in our hearts today. I ask, Lord God, that you would come in power, that you would come in glory, and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would touch your sons and daughters today to everyone listening. We bless this word, and we ask that you would preach it in Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Katie. You know, we don't preach about him because it's a hard gospel to preach, to preach about John. This is not your typical pastor. He's a PK. Now, those of you that know what I'm talking about, usually it's pastor's kid. He's a priest's kid because his father served in the temple. That's when the angel came to him one day as he was serving, saying, you're going to have a son called, you're going to have a son. And Zacharias, his father, says, yeah, sure, sure, I'm going to have a son. How could this possibly happen? His doubt caused him to become a mute. For the full period of time that the baby was being carried until he was born, and then when they asked him, who will you name him after? Because you normally name him after a relative. And Zacharias said, I'm going to name him Yohanan, John. And they said, but they all said, but you can't name him John. No one in your family is called John. Why would you name him John? Because that is the name that God gave me to name John. And so John came very, very differently from most people being born into the planet. Jesus said of John the Baptist, there is none greater. I mean, you've seen so many prophets, but there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Why so? 
Because unlike any other prophet that came before John the Baptist, the Bible tells us he was filled with the Spirit. So I want you to understand this, that you live in a day and age that is greater than the prophets. You've seen the prophets of old. You have looked up to them like Isaiah and Jeremiah, the major prophets, the minor prophets, thinking, wow, what great men of God they were. How about Deborah, the prophetess who led Israel? Wow, incredible people. They heard from God. They told the armies of the living God what to do, and they found success and victory wherever they went. Jesus said that John the Baptist was greater than them. What makes him greater? Because he was filled with the Spirit of God. You see, no other prophet up to that time was filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible says it this way, the Spirit of God came upon them and they began to prophesy. In fact, even King Saul, in his wicked heart, the Bible says, the Spirit of God came upon King Saul and he began to prophesy. Just because you prophesy doesn't make you a man of God, a woman of God. The Bible tells us that two godly men, two of the apostles, were walking through a marketplace and a demonized servant girl who was prophesying the futures of people. She must have been accurate because she called them out. These are servants of the Most High God. These are servants of the Most High God. She did this for days, following them. The whole time they're trying to talk. They're trying to talk while they're talking. This woman's gone. These are the servants of the Most High God. And eventually, I think it was Peter had enough. He says, out in the name of Jesus. And he caused that demon to come out of the girl. Well, now these men are upset because they lost their money. <laughs> they lost their business. The point is that even the demonic prophecy can be accurate. Be careful. Be careful. Don't just believe just because the prophet or the prophetess was accurate. They are from God. Here's the difference. That John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit. And no other prophet was like that. In fact, listen to this. The Bible says that while... Uh, Mary was six months pregnant. She went to visit her cousin because Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. And she was almost having the baby nine months old. So they had three months apart. The Bible says the moment Mary entered the room with Jesus in tow, the Spirit of God filled John the Baptist while in the womb. I, this one blows me away. I'm thinking, how is that possible? Here I am. I'm, you know, I was, when I wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm praying and I'm praying. I'm pounding that pavement. I remember going to a youth rally, right? And there were hundreds of young people there. My sister, she got filled with the Spirit at this rally. And I'm still, I was the only one, the bishop's son, the bishop's daughter got filled, the bishop's son thinking, I haven't done anything evil, have I, God? Why isn't this happening? I'm struggling. But John the Baptist gets filled in the womb in the womb and he was filled and so elizabeth was filled and elizabeth starts prophesying because her son was filled she became filled such was the anointing of john the baptist think about that for a moment and he didn't fit the mold of any preacher of that day and he certainly wouldn't fit the mold of preachers today i mean think about it he did not wear the latest fashion do you know what the latest fashion is? The number one top list in 2021. Hoodies under a blazer. I might bring that next week just so I can stay in fashion before it gets too hot. Hoodies under blazers, apparently. The next one I thought I'd wear today is a bomber jacket. I didn't know that. I bought this like months ago. Katie told me I got a hole here, but that's okay. My wife can fix it, right? Bomber jackets are in. That was the second highest thing. I couldn't believe it, right? Skinny jeans are out. 
Skinny jeans are out. I got to wear the skinny jeans because I'm so short. If I wear the bell-bottom jeans, I look shorter than I am. I need everything. I need every tool I can have in my arsenal to add a little bit of height here. Nike Airs that you wear with them because it just looks cool with the jeans with matching face mask accessory in a COVID-friendly environment. You won't find John the Baptist wearing Polo Ralph Lauren. You wouldn't find him wearing Calvin Klein. You wouldn't find him wearing Gucci. You find him, find him wearing Camel. <laughs> Not literally, Camel. Camel. He wore Camel hide with Camel hair with a leather belt probably from a Camel wrapped around him to keep all that stuff fastened in there. And would you like to know this? This is the most interesting thing. He won the award for most extreme diet. By the way, he was a Nazarite like Samson. Did you know that? He never drank alcohol or touched wine ever in his entire life. No alcohol at all. This guy had nothing like the sort. His hair then was probably like Samson, which would have been like in braids down, down, you know, down his back. It would have been long hair. So if you're wondering if he's short-haired, no, no, long hair like Samson, this guy's extreme. So listen to this extreme diet. For his diet, he had sauterelle with mien sauvage. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That's a French way of saying locusts <laughs> and wild honey. Locusts. Can you see the picture? Is it up there? Put the picture up there. That, that's the title of the message. So if you can see, I'm sorry about the live streamers. You're just going to have to imagine. So... That's a grasshopper. I can sort of hack it because it's green. It looks like grass. It almost looks healthy. Almost like eating a spinach, you know? Some of you think eating spinach is like eating grasshoppers. But that's a locust. You see how much bigger it is? That's a locust. Can you believe it is actually a clean animal? Like God says, you can eat locusts. You can actually survive in the desert just by eating locusts. You can eat it, but it... Tastes. No, I'm going to go there. If you watched, uh, yeah, never mind. Let's just keep going on. <laughs> Woo! The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 80, that he moved into the desert after he became a man. So he must have done his bar mitzvah. And he became a man, age of 13. He moved into the desert and lived there his entire life until he turned 30. And then he began his ministry. From the age of 13 for 17 years, he's out in the wilderness away from everybody just seeking God. The Bible says, until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So you got an extreme loner. you got a guy living in a wilderness, in a desert, eating locusts. Imagine that. I had something stuck in my tooth. Oh, it's a leg there. Just <laughs> Locusts and wild honey with a long beard, dreadlocks down to the ground. Imagine if you were an Uber driver coming pulling up to your house. No, thank you. Just, just keep going. You know, this is not a safe guy. It's not a guy you want to hang out with. He's in the wilderness, which means he probably isn't having a shower every day. I mean, he did baptize people, but did he have a shower every day? Did he? Did he really? I love the story, John the Baptist. Because I see so many things that we can pick up from this guy. I want to be like John the Baptist. I can relate in some ways to John the Baptist. Think about this. A man who is constantly scrutinized. A man who's living life beyond the confines of culture. He doesn't care about the culture. He doesn't care about the fashion. He doesn't care about the comfort. All he cares is about one thing. I want to please God. 
This is a guy who rejects the trappings of life. You've heard that word, trappings of life? Is there any wonder it's called a trap? He lives outside the box. He couldn't fit in any category. What is he? Is he Pharisee? Is he Sadducee? Is he in a, maybe he's in a scene. Is he, he just didn't fit any particular category. He was unique. The constant topic of office conversation. Do you know what John did this week? You know, we can get so caught up trying to play the game of life that we forget we're supposed to be playing the game of eternal life. We have a list of goals. We have a list of priorities that we seek to achieve in our lifetime. We want to make sure we fulfill them. Some of these goals is, you know, before I retire, I want to make sure I do this, 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 this. I achieve this, this, this. Then I can rest the rest of my life. And it occupies our time. It occupies our attention. Our mind is constantly focused on it. But John had only one goal, to serve the purpose God had for him. What if I were to tell you, oh, you say, oh, yeah, but I'm not like John. I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit while I was in the womb at that time. I didn't have my father, you know, angel come to my father and tell me, oh, you got a purpose, you know, your son's going to do great things. None of that happened to me. But what if I were to tell you that is exactly what God had in mind for you? That while you were in your mother's womb, he knew you by name. He knew what you were capable of. The Bible says we are God's workmanship created to do good works. I want to give you three things. Amen. I want to give you three things that, we, that I want to pick up. There's lots of things you can pick up, but we only got time for three. Three things we can pick up from the life of John. Are you ready for it? Write these ones down. Number one, it's up there on the screen. Please, God. At any cost, if you want to know how to live your life, live it like this. Please, God, at any cost. He is rejected by men. He's rejected by people. He does not fit the mold at all because he thought to himself, I don't care about these things. There's a message right there. Life isn't always about chasing your desires because your desires can lead you away from God. If I could tell you, and I won't, the number of people who have come up to me over the years and said, Pastor, pray for me. I am going for a job application. I want success. Pray for me. And so I pray for them. And very soon, the Lord answers the prayer, they get the job, and they instantly disappear from church because they are so occupied by their job. I prayed for people, I can tell you one particular person, I won't tell you his name, who came up to me, and this is a time when Australia Post decided to uh, no longer do parcel deliveries, but wanted contractors to do it, and so these people had to bid for it and show they were capable of doing that. This guy had been in prison. This guy had done some bad things. So he came up to me. He said, Pastor, can you pray for me? God is, was radically changing his life, so we began to pray on the spot. He told me the next week, Pastor, not only was I offered one contract, I was offered two contracts. Praise the Lord. It's so awesome. Praise God. He was so successful, they threw more jobs at him. And he was so successful, they threw even more jobs at him until he had 100 people driving trucks for him to do deliveries. Where is he today? His marriage is over. 
His kids don't respect him. They're away from him because he was so led away from the things of God because he wanted to please his flesh. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have jobs. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get ahead in life. No, I'm saying go do all those things. But it's, it's like this. When you are so intent on chasing after God and pleasing God in everything that you do, it changes who you are. Because what happens is His goals become your goals. What He loves becomes what you love. What He hates becomes what you hate. You're thinking, God doesn't hate God is love. God doesn't love. I mean, I can give you some scriptures, so many scripture verses, but God hates. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests, the Bible says. Deuteronomy 16, 22, and never set up sacred pillars for worship, for the Lord your God hates them. Remember the story of a brilliant concert pianist who was performing for the first time in his life. And he was a genius at this. And and people were enthralled as he's playing this beautiful music. People were, their emotions were going up. They were joyful. Emotions were going down. They're crying because of his skill at the keys and the emotions they were feeling. And by the time he was finished, everyone was standing, standing up. It was an ovation as such as they've never heard before except for one old man. And this young virtuoso walked off the stage crestfallen because this old man refused to stand up and actually walked out. And the manager replied, look, everyone is clapping for you. You are a success. Why aren't you happy? And he says dejectedly, I mean, it's an old man. He says, you know, the old man is my music teacher. He understood the importance of living to please that one person that changed his life, that one person that can save your life. Here's the second key thing I want you to grab hold of. Choose to withdraw. Choose to withdraw. I'm not saying we should all become hermits like John the Baptist. That's not the point. But it's choosing those moments where you shouldn't be there and you should actually withdraw. Jesus says the same thing, explains it this way in Matthew 18, verses 8 to 9. He says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into the eternal fire with both your hands and feet. He says in verse 9, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the hellfire. Now, he's not literally saying, hey, you should you know, gouge your eye up. <laughs> you know, these are called metaphors. Everyone turn to the person next to you. It's okay. It's just a metaphor. So I'm like, this is like hard teaching, Pastor. I'm not going to gouge your eye. No, I'm not saying to gouge your eye out. It's just saying as a metaphor, he's saying is if there's something that is causing you to sin, get 
rid of it, or I'm saying withdraw from that place. You notice John understood this concept, and he realized as long as I stay connected to society and culture, as long as my heart is trying to fill the lusts of the flesh, as long as I'm trying to please people, I am not going to be able to please God. Everyone is expecting me to step into my father's shoes. He gave this prophecy about me. Now everyone's expecting me to live up to it. And so he withdraws into a wilderness beyond any scrutiny so no one can complain. I am so far. They'll talk about me. They'll make fun of me. I don't care. How easy is it for us to allow ourselves to watch TVs, TV shows and movies and music with explicit lyrics. How easy it is to watch pictures that we shouldn't be seeing on our small screens, on our big screens, and think it's okay. How important is it for us in today's busy world to pull ourselves away into the wilderness? If that thing is causing you to sin, pull away from it. Go to the wilderness. Turn it off. I remember I was invited by a guy. He used to be a church leader. And he invited me to come and watch a movie. That was a superhero movie. So I thought, oh, superhero movies, I'm in. I love superhero movies. And so we sat there. And for the next 15 minutes, it was an assault on my senses, an assault to my eyes, an assault to my ears. As I'm seeing people supposed to be superheroes just speaking so wickedly, just wicked hearts. And what they did, it was so detestable and so awful. And the gore and the blood. And I, I, I tried to sit there as long as I could because I didn't want to insult my friend. But I, 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 eventually it just became too much for me. I said, I am so sorry. I can't do this anymore. And I withdrew to the wilderness. He followed me out there because he knew it was probably the right thing to do. I wasn't a pastor, by the way, at that point. And we began chatting. And he's saying, what's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. It's okay. You can watch it. I said, I can't. I began to explain to him, I, I, I can't allow my spirit or my soul to undergo this kind of barrage of wickedness. Some of you need to pull away from your friendship base. It's unhealthy for you. Some of you need to pull away from the entertainment that you have justified. And you know it's not right, but in fact, your heart may be so callous, you don't even justify it anymore. Some of you need to withdraw from the busyness of life. You're so busy in your career, so busy in your job, that you don't have time for God anymore. You don't have time for God's people. You don't even have time to go to church. You don't have time to be discipled. Withdraw to your wilderness. Quit the job. God can give you something else. We do these things to remind ourselves that His investment in our eternal life is of greater importance than what this life can offer. Let me give you the third one. Produce fruit. Think about this. He has everything 
not going for him. I mean, this guy, if you're talking about you want to start a ministry, dude, you're doing everything wrong. You know, they say with church building, uh, and if you want to build a church, build the numbers and grow, location, location, location. That's it. Find a location with a maximum number of people. Find a location where everyone is going to see you going back and forth. They're going to find you. By the way, we're doing that, okay? We're, we're going to move to a shopping center. It's all happening. But he didn't do that. <laughs> he, he goes to a wilderness, a wilderness to go minister. That's another word for desert. He goes to a desert where it's stinking hot. It is uncomfortable. There is dust blowing around. It's the worst possible place to plant a church. And then there's the preaching. I mean, seriously, when you preach in today's world, this is what I was warned about. I was told, you know, Pastor, you really should be preaching, you know, kinder messages. You know, you should be preaching. Uh, you should be preaching inspirationally. Look at Stephen Furtick and look at Brian Houston. And nothing wrong against my brothers. But I got to be true to me. Yes, there's inspiration. Yes, there is good news. Here's a guy who is not preaching anything that you're expecting. These are hard words. Telling people, you're sinning. If you keep going in your sin, if you don't repent, you are going to be thrown in the fires of hell. There is a day of reckoning coming, and people are amassing to these guys. Instead of Moving them away instead of saying, oh, I'm not going to see. Why would I want to listen to this guy? I want to hear, hear a happy message. <laughs> I want to hear some jokes. I want a bit of laughter. You know, I want to hear some really funny stories. I want to hear stories I've never heard before. I want to be inspired. John was none of that. He had nothing else going for him except for extreme obedience and the Holy Spirit. Some of you are looking for techniques. You're looking for strategies for different things. Let me tell you, as a church, we have only one strategy, that you become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. It's my one role. If I can get you to follow after Jesus, your whole journey in this life is going to radically change. Extreme obedience filled with the Holy Spirit, doing everything you can to go after him. What kind of message do you think this guy's preaching? Camel clothes, camel hair, camel belt, grasshoppers, locusts. Let's just call it what it is, locusts, wild honey. No, no, there's bees everywhere. Get rid of the bees and somehow get to the honey. This guy is not going to be preaching a very gentle message. The Bible tells us that his one message his one mission was to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. To prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. And his one message was this, repent. You can't expect to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and thinking with the mindsets that you have in those same worldly perspectives and hope to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's saying the only way to be able to approach the throne of grace is when you come and humble yourself and begin to realize, I have to change the way that I am thinking. I have to change my priorities. I have to change who I am trying to please. 
You guys are real quiet this morning. I know it's a hard word. That's all right. Despite this crazy man, out in the desert people came. The Bible says they came from Jerusalem, the city, the city. The main city, they all came out. It wouldn't be a short trip, no cars, remember, go walk out there into a desert. From all of Judea, the whole state came out to see him. And then all over the Jordan Valley, anyone who's anyone will come. Even King Herod knew about this guy. He was so highly respected. Word got out about the way this guy is preaching. They're saying there's something different about this guy. I don't know what it is. It seems like it's the same message. Soldiers would come to him saying, what must we do to repent? And he says, instead of stealing from people, just take the rightful share you're supposed to get. And he says, when you see someone who's starving and you've got two lots of food, half your food, give it to the guy and feed him. It's simple. It's not that hard. Oh, it's, I can't know, pastor, you know, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to help people. I don't know how to change your life. I don't have your giftings. I don't have your skill. Just look after the people around you. Look after your city. These people here are so broken, so broken. It's terrible. And we have to turn a blind eye. I mean, we consciously have to put blinkers on so that we cannot see the need. We're starting up Live CDK very soon, and I'm hoping that 80% of the church will donate at least two hours on a Saturday morning to be able to look after the poor. Two hours, once a month. It'll change your life. I can't even get people. I struggle to get us to serve in church. And yet God is calling us to do more than this. And the leaders of that time we're hearing about this guy. I said, I don't understand. Why would people go out to see this guy? It's uncomfortable. It's too far away. You know, he's preaching a really hard message. Why are they going out? So they went out to check it out because he's making disciples. Remember, that's what this is all about, making disciples. How was he doing that? He was baptizing them in the Jordan River. They were repenting, and then he baptized them as a sign that I'm changing my ways. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to die to myself. I will die to my old man. I will crucify myself in this water. I'm not coming back out. What's coming out is a new man. And they wanted some of that action. So they thought, Let, you know, let's take some notes and see what he's doing. And guess how he talks to them. You know, he didn't say the nice stuff you expect. Oh, it's so good to have my brother. I was going to do shout out to all the Pharisees out there, all the Sadducees out there. You my peeps. Thanks so much for coming out. You know, hoping that he get invited to the best synagogues, be able to preach, maybe get a good love offering out there, make some money. That wasn't John the Baptist. <laughs> he did the complete opposite. You brood of vipers! What? You know, Jesus did the same thing, by the way. And they said, Master, did you know that you offended them? Yeah, I know. They need to be offended. You know, sometimes you've got to offend some people. You know, come on. He yells out to them. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? They're like, well, we, we, we weren't actually going to flee anything. We just wanted to steal some ideas from you. And he's telling them, guys, in all your religious fervor, you're going to hell. All that stuff you're doing that seems to be right, and everyone looks to you and think, wow, now that is a leader I want to be like. He says, you're going to hell. There's a highway to hell, and you're headed on it on a Porsche. Why snakes? Why vipers? Why serpents? Same thing. Because snakes signify danger. Run. 
He's saying to the people, what they're saying, what they're doing, run, run away. Run away as fast as you can. Why snakes? Because they produce venom. What is venom? It's poison. It will kill you. It's in your system. They're poisoning you with their ideas. They're poisoning you with their perspectives. And you're sucking it up. You're thinking, this is great. Give me some more. He's saying to them, don't just think that because you are descendants of Abraham, you're safe. We do the same thing today. I, I remember at one point I did. My parents were missionaries or pastors. In fact, my father was a bishop. Therefore, I'm safe. I'm going to heaven. I remember I got, I got that lesson taught early when I was a little boy. And God spoke to me as I'm reading the Bible. And it said that don't depend on your father for your faith. You've got to have your own faith. You've got to have your own salvation. You, this is for you. But some of us, we're thinking, nah, it's okay. It'll be okay. But I want to tell you, your title won't save you. But I'm a pastor. It's okay. I'm a leader in the church. It's okay. Your parents' faith cannot save you. Your good works cannot save you. Oh, but pastor, I have more good works than bad works. No, that's what the religions of the world tell you. No, it won't save you. The Bible says that very, very clearly. Nothing can save you but Jesus. You can write that one down. Your righteous past will not save you. Oh, pastor, in my time, you know, I was a minister and I ministered here. I saw signs and wonders. That's good. What are you doing today? What are you doing today? Because here's the message. Produce Fruit. If you're not producing fruit, something has gone wrong. Jesus is very clear with that. You can't have an apple tree produce pears. You can't have a pear tree produce oranges. You are what you are. If wickedness is happening from you, if you're doing lousy stuff, it's probably because you're pretty lousy. God has to do a work. Repent and produce fruit in keeping with that repentance. Let me put another way what he was saying to the people. He was saying to them, he says, the most important evidence that religious people have changed and have truly repented is that they're producing spiritual fruit in their lives. He's saying to them another way. He's saying, you're replaceable. When you chose God, God chose you first. But if you turn your back on him to chase after the things that make you happy, you reject him and God is going to replace you with others. God will find other people. The Bible tells us a master is a parable. This is God. Puts on a big banquet. My son's getting married. Come to the banquet. Come to the wedding banquet. The Bible says these honored guests are saying, oh, I can't. I just bought a new cow. i got to go work it in. Oh, I just got married. I'm going to spend time on my honeymoon. I can't make it to your wedding. All kinds of excuses. You know that Abraham had eight sons? Most of you are thinking, no, he only had two. He had eight. He had Ishmael, Isaac, and I don't even remember the names of the other six. But only one was chosen because God saw the quality of his heart that he would serve as a patriarch. Jesse had eight sons. One of them was to be anointed king by the prophet Samuel, but only one was anointed because we find out later, David was a man after God's own heart. I remember watching the movie Les Miserables. The story begins and opens with Jean, Jean Valjean, Jean Valjean, Jean Valjean, who was a criminal 
violent criminal who escapes prison and he breaks into a bishop's home. He didn't realize it was a man of God. And he sees all the silverware and he was about to steal. And the, priest says, the bishop says, look, you don't have to do that. I'll look after you. Just come, sleep the night. I'll look after you. It's okay. Here's some food. Get some food. But that night, the man steals all the precious silverware and runs away, and the police catch him. And they bring him back in front of this bishop. Imagine the shame Jean Valjean is feeling. I got caught out. The man extended mercy to me. The man extended grace to me, and I repaid him by stealing his stuff. And the bishop did something that was completely unexpected. When the police said, this man stole your silverware, and the bishop replies very quickly, he says, oh, no, 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 he, he, I gave it to him. You gave it to him? Yeah. In fact, there's some more. You forgot some, Jean. Here's some more. Here, take this with you. This man is weeping. He's weeping. As he leaves that place, and from that day forward, he decides, I am turning around. I'm repenting. And he changes who he is and the quality of the man. He becomes respectable. He becomes wealthy. He becomes a benefactor. In fact, he saves an orphan girl and makes her his own daughter. Showers love on her. And the story goes on towards the end that he will even sacrifice his own life so that she could live. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let me ask you this morning. What fruit... Are you producing through your repentance? Oh, pastor, I've been a Christian for 20 years. That's good. What fruit have you been producing in this 20 years? Oh, but pastor, you know, I serve in the church regularly. I go on missions. I go to connect groups. Yes, but what fruit have you been producing recently? Pastor, I produced fruit 20 years ago. I did this. I did that. That's good. What fruit are you producing today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I think we played this game. We played it for too long. We think it's okay to do double time with God. We serve him one minute and we turn around and serve ourselves the next. And we think he doesn't see what we do. We make choices that are questionable and we think... We think, not, in fact, he's so absent from our mindset, we don't even think about what God would say. And we justify it in our heart. In fact, if you start to feel bad, you'll talk to another Christian, and they'll tell you, oh, I do that too, it's okay. And so you justify your behavior. Can I tell you this morning that heaven hangs in the balance for you, and you can't keep playing these games and think that it's okay with God. Sometimes we just need a little John the Baptist. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So I look around the room this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to genuinely, genuinely give your life to Jesus to choose to follow him, to turn from your ways to follow Jesus, to turn your eyes upon Jesus. As I look around this room this morning, thank you for 
bowing your heads. Thank you for closing your eyes, for giving that person next to you space, because I'm going to ask you a hard question. Will you surrender your life to Jesus and follow him? Will you give up your own desires to fulfill your own needs and make your needs second to what he needs? Will you love what he loves and hates and hate what he hates? As I look around the room this morning, on the count of three, and I would like you to have an opportunity to respond to the message this morning. You are responding to Jesus today, not to me, to Jesus this morning. You're saying, yes, I've been playing the games, Jesus. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I've been playing the game for so long. I've been ginning you around thinking it was okay. I know, I know it probably wasn't, but I convinced myself it's okay. But now I've confronted the presence of the living God and I realize I've got to change. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. I won't embarrass you. On three. One, two, three. Can you raise those hands so I can pray for you? I understand who I'm praying for. Is that you this morning saying, i am got to change. I need to change. I've been living my life for myself, but today everything changes. Is that you? Looking around this room, counting down. Three. Looking around this room. Two. Is there anyone out there? Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. One. You know the Bible says that a shepherd who has 100 sheep, if one of them goes astray, away from the pack, he will actually leave the 99 to themselves and will go out of his way to find the one. And the Bible says when one sinner returns, when one sinner repents, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. You know that there are angels there are saints that have gone before us. All of heaven is going crazy right now, praising God, praising God. This morning, you may not have raised your hand, but you wanted to. I want to lead you in a prayer, and I also want to lead that person that raised their hand. I know you've probably said the prayer before, but say it fresh and new for the first time. Can you say this prayer with me? And I'll get the whole church to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me, that you were willing to pay the punishment for my sins. I know I'm not perfect, but you are. So right now, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. Come into my heart. Save me and be my Lord and the captain of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can do this. Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at lifecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at lifecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to lifecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.